conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. All right, 12 after 11 o'clock. Uh, thank you so much to uh, those of you that are sending through messages, uh, appreciating the conversation that we've had in the last hour. Uh, Lindy Sangweni Sido says, Kathy, what an amazing guest and conversation this morning. We can all make a difference by ensuring we identify our individual roles, food and water scarcity, poverty, lack of education are our collective responsibility to address. And I really can't agree anymore with that, Lindy, who sent uh, that message there on Twitter. Our final conversation for today, of course, it coincides with our health feature. And we're looking at prostate cancer. Uh, Dr. Tiny Minga is a medical practitioner with a special interest in men's health. Dr. Minga, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for making time to come onto the show. So prostate cancer and is such a big conversation for South Africa because when we look at the figures, it is a cancer that is quite prevalent in South African men. It is quite prevalent. Uh, and thank you very much for bringing this topic up because it is so important. And it's not only South Africa, the whole of the southern region of Africa, you know, most men suffer from this uh, unfortunate cancer. When we look at some of the numbers, Dr. Minga, what do they tell us about just how many South African men suffer from prostate cancer? There's, there's quite a little, you know, the numbers are quite high and are totally unnecessarily high, I must say, mm. uh, and which is very unfortunate. You know, sometimes even before I can give you the numbers, uh, Kathy, I just want to give you my, my, my opinion about why these numbers are so high. Uh, I know most people may not agree with me, but it seems like we've we've educated the public about the symptoms of this condition, which is cancer of the prostate. Everybody understands that there are symptoms, but I think we suffer. We, we are at where we are now because people tend to wait to see, to observe those symptoms. And they wait, they don't go to the health center waiting for the symptoms to to appear and mm. and unfortunately by the time you get to see the symptoms or or experience the symptoms in most in the, in the cancer language most of the time that is rather too late i would rather have a situation where yes of course it's important to know the symptoms but don't wait for the symptoms have a timetable for yourself where you will say i commit myself to to go to see a health practitioner at least twice a year, irrespective mm. of the symptoms. Mm, mm. Because we suffer well where we are now because everybody is waiting for the symptoms. You're waiting for that moment where you have difficulty in passing urine. You're waiting for that moment where you have problems in blood, for the pain in the lower back, you know, heaviness around the scrotum, and all sorts of things. And, 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 and by the time you see that, you get that, something has already happened and it may be too late to reverse the process. Whereas, if you know, and I'll start with the most important thing in the management, the treatment of the, you know, the knowledge about prostate is to say, like with any other cancer, it's first of all to understand who you are, 
where you come from, who were the, who are the parents who came before you? Do they have this particular condition before? And if it's there in your family, that's point number one. You obviously become a suspect. You are in one of the high. You are in a high risk area. So you should make it your business at least. By the time you reach the a certain age of about 35 to 40, you have to visit a doctor at least twice a year, whether they find anything wrong with you or not. So that's why the numbers are where, where they are today, mm. because everybody's waiting for that magic symptom that we've told you about. Given, the fact, that, given the fact that, like you're saying, very few people present themselves for testing or even for diagnosis of prostate cancer um, because they're waiting for that one system, one one symptom rather, as, as you describe it. Um, mm. the, the family history then, how reliable does that become? Oh, because yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about those people who may have lost loved ones who actually didn't know that they were suffering from prostate cancer? Well, I think, I think it also raises a very important question. I mean, but it's, from my experience, it's getting better today because, I mean, if you have a dad or an uncle or even a grandfather who has suffered or even died because of prostate cancer and in fact of any cancer for that matter, then we, we know that you're at a very, very high risk. Uh, so people tend to listen to us they, 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 they go to the health centers, present with this kind of uh, uh, story about their family history. And sometimes, even if they don't mention it, we, we, we try to probe, you know, as you see, that was the person for the first time, and it's around the age of 35. So you spend about 10 to 15 minutes take, documenting that history to say, do you know your family doing well? What does your father suffer from? Is he still alive? What does your grandfather suffer from? Has he suffered from any one of these conditions? And you just take a box. So if there is a suspicion, though, that there was cancer, and this is a person that you must follow up regularly, and it is twice in the year. If you don't pick up anything, it's still okay. You are still in the same project. But to wait, unfortunately, for most people, what you just wait for those symptoms, which otherwise becomes very uh, unfortunate. Have we been able to understand, Dr. Minga, why it is that men are reluctant to present themselves for examination, regardless of whether or not they are experiencing symptoms? I think we need to inject men with another gene, you know, that we don't have. I think it's it's, it's the men's Okay, basically, men normally don't want to talk about their problems, be it health, be it finance, be it social, anything. They never come out very clearly to articulate or even discuss things with friends or even with family. And I'll give you a very sad uh, example, like Katie. Uh, you remember at the, time, at the height of HIV in this country, uh, what we, we used to fight was that if you tell a man today uh, that he's that test is positive. It will take up to about three to four months before you can reveal this to their partner or even to the family. Whereas if you tell a woman this morning at 11 o'clock, by the sunset, she will have told one or two of the family members or including the partner that the blood results are thin. So it's something that I don't know, I don't know. Really. Maybe we can speak to the psychologist about that aspect of our life, but this is a reality. And we used to see this quite a lot. Uh, you see a woman who's been 
suffered from HIV, immediately she reports this. The following day, you get a call from one of the family members to want to get a, get a, get a picture from you. Whereas if it's a man who has been diagnosed with HIV at that time, it will take long, let me tell you, until even the partner gets infected before a man can reveal this. So it's something that the psychologist can help us with. I don't have an answer for that. But but in as in as far as then campaigns are concerned, including um, part of awareness raising around prostate cancer, do you find that it, it helps? A month like November, of course, is General oh. Men's Health Awareness Month. Um, does it help in 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 getting the message out there? Yes, 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 yes. It does help. It does help. You know, these campaigns are very important. Uh, where we don't won't have everybody coming, but quite a number of people do call us. Uh, they hear you talking about this on, on air, and they, they come up and they, they, they visit us on the phone to say, when can I make an appointment to come and see you? I heard you two guys talking about but it's getting better. Uh, it's not a lost cause. So what you guys are doing by bringing this thing up on on, on, on these uh, platforms is very, very important because we are talking to quite a lot of people that are listening to you. So this is very important amongst all the other uh, campaigns that you're having. They tell people do listen to you, but unfortunately, most of the time, we as medical practitioners, we talk about these symptoms and people listen to this, but unfortunately, sometimes they end up not doing the right thing. And we think when you look back, you say, yes, everybody knows about uh, difficulty in passing urine. Everybody knows about the pain on the lower back. Everybody knows about the heaviness around the scrotum or general tightness. But they are waiting for those symptoms, unfortunately, Kathy. Instead of making it their business, their commitment to say, maybe I should just visit the doctor and talk to him about whatever condition, if it is prostate cancer. All right. Uh, We're focusing on prostate cancer for our health feature today. We'll take your calls and your WhatsApp voice notes for uh, Dr. Minga on 086-000-2032. That's the number to use to get in touch with us. And on the WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107. The first question for you, uh, Doctor, is... is, um, is from Moleko, who says, Kathy, please ask the doctor if there is medicine to treat a large prostate. Yes, uh, Moleko, yes, there is medication to try and reduce you know, the size. Okay, first of all, when you have an enlarged, one has an enlarged prostate, it's one of the symptoms. And what does it, what does it do? The enlarged prostate, because of its position or anatomical position in relation to the urethra, uh, the urethra being the tube that drains the urine from the bladder. That kind of relationship makes the passing of urine difficult. So a man will start having a, a, you know, a, a very s- a small stream of urine coming out. And sometimes they have to push so much before the urine can come out. And sometimes they end up with not actually entering the whole bladder. So the medications that are available today they can at least help to reduce the swelling of the, the prostate. And mind you, this does not help in the actual treatment of the, uh, it just treats symptomatically, it doesn't treat the cancer of the prostate. Because there are two things with the prostate. It's an enlarged prostate, uh, let me say three. It's an enlarged prostate, it's an inflamed prostate, and sometimes it's cancer of the prostate. But the 
all of these things can give you swelling or what we call the bogginess of the of the prostate, and that can actually constrict the flow of uh, uh, urine coming out from the blood. So the medications, yes, they are there. We prescribe them, and it reduces the swelling and takes away the pressure from the urethra so that urine can come out much easier. Um, one of the questions that we've also received is just that you please clarify um, the symptoms of uh, prostate cancer. So if you can just speak clearly about what uh, those symptoms are. Okay, I think the most important one is the way that I just mentioned about an enlarged prostate. Uh, it's basically the, the difficult. I mean, look, as we grow up, we reach the age of 35, 40, uh, we, we the, the, the urine stream, it's not as high and as hard as we used to see. You sometimes have to stand very close to urine, urine to try and achieve the same effect of passing out urine. So I'm sure you've got a son, Katie. You see him passing urine. He can stand about a meter away from urine. He'll be spot on onto the urinal, and that's okay. So there's no pressure there. So that's the first symptom difficulty in passing urine. Sometimes you find that uh, you have pain on the lower back, uh, which is which is there. It's a dull pain. Uh, you see men sometimes when they stand up or getting out of the car, not to straighten up properly. Of course, there are other things that can cause the pain, but once you reach that age, you start getting this pain on the, on the lower back, it's a suspicion. It's one of the symptoms that you have to take into account. Sometimes seeing blood coming out from the from the from the urine, and not not a fully red urine that is actually coming out, but you just find little drips of 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 of, of blood that comes out every time you urinate. And but the most important one is that one of difficulty in passing urine. It may have various degrees, but that stands out as the most single most important symptom that you find with the prostate enlargement or with cancer. Let's talk about what people can expect when they present themselves um, for examination. Um, because I, I, And the reason I'm asking that is, is because one of our listeners has just sent a message who says, a fantastic discussion. I have been one of those men afraid to visit the doctor uh, to have myself examined for prostate cancer. I'll make a plan to go today, Kathy. My father died of prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what can one expect um, in that medical examination room? You know, Kathy, if I can tell you, one thing that we do as medical practitioners when a man walks in and he's got a problem with prostate is to allay that fear. We Men are scared and are very suspicious of the finger that goes to the back, to, to their back. They are very much worried about it. So if you can allay the fear, number one, you tell them, listen, I'm going to examine you. I'm going to put a finger at the back if it's necessary to do so. Uh, but you have to tell them that this is, it's not a painful condition. And it has never been painful unless if there are other problems. It's a very, you have to do it gently so that it doesn't become, the, the discomfort you will never be able to take away. But the pain, that's for sure, is not always pain when you examine. So most people are scared about the finger that goes to their back. And because uh, we have to examine, you have to find out exactly the size, the feeling of pain, 
of the prostate, if it's just enlarged, is it irregular, is it smooth, uh, swelling of the prostate. But today, most doctors, what they do, and I do the same thing, uh, when a person comes with that kind of a history, and I, I suspect that there may be a problem with the prostate, first of all, I'll do the blood, what we call the prostate sensitive uh, antigen. It's a chemical that you find in the blood of anybody who's got a problem with the prostate, whether it's actually inflammation, whether it's uh, enlargement, or it is actually cancer. But it will come up with different numbers that you can actually see. So we do the blood test. Number two, some of us are even able to do what we call an ultrasound that you do over, you know, over the bladder area. You can actually see an enlarged prostate if it's there. And the beauty about the the ultrasound is that you are able to see the character and you are actually able to weigh the size of the prostate because that is very important. And you can see if it's enlarged, uh, it has got nodules, uh, it's irregular, and then you can actually see that and you can show it to the patient this is where your problem is. So that that helps. And of course, last thing that most I don't do it myself as a GP, we always refer to the uh, urologist who do further examinations, which is actually to do what we call a biopsy, if you pick up anything that they, you have seen on the, on, in the prostate. So they can do scopes and the biopsies just to make a actual determination as to what's happening. So there are three things that we do, blood, finger, ultrasound, and of course the rest is done by the urologist. All right. Uh, Dr. Mingel, we're going to continue the conversation in a moment. Of course, I'll also take your calls for him, 086-000-2032. And on the WhatsApp line, it's 614 We're talking about prostate cancer. What are some of the fears, concerns that you may have that are actually getting in the way of you taking that step to go and get examined? This is your chance uh, to call in, talk to Dr. Minga, and really, I think use the opportunity to dispel any myths or assumptions that you may have had uh, about prostate cancer hopefully that will enable you you know to take that step and ensure that you are getting that important exam done it's 11:30 now time for your latest headlines SAFM leading the conversation all right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. Let me go to the phone lines. VJ, you're calling from Port Shepston. VJ, good morning. Hi, Kathy. Hi, haven't heard from you in a while. Good to hear. Yes, good to speak to you. Good to speak to you. <laughs> sure. And my blood pressure is a bit low, and uh, we're not discussing <laughs> the problems in the country. Great sure. program. Go Kathy, for it. I just wanted to quickly just endorse a lot of what the doctor says. Mm. Um, I'm. Um, I, I've just turned 60, been diagnosed with um, with, with um, uh, prostate cancer. Completely, completely asymptomatic. And I think this is the message I want to give to my fellow uh, my fellow males out there who may think they have from I was completely asymptomatic. I had um, a period of about three or four years when my PSA levels went up and down. And even when my PSA levels were very, very high, I was completely asymptomatic. Um, and um, the first thing uh, my doctor said to me was that uh, this should have been caught a lot earlier. Um, so just just uh, just a caution to 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 my to my male colleagues out there is that uh, uh, you know get yourself tested if you if you find even if you are well and healthy and are showing no other symptoms at all. Um, just 
bite the bullet and get it done mm. so that you can catch the problem early. And, and VJ, did you have any particular um, anxiety about going to get going to get examined? And, and how did you deal with that? Because that seems to be one of the big issues. We, I think it's, it, it's certainly, as doctors, it's certainly not a, it's not a comfortable experience. Uh, I don't think I had any anxiety. I think when I, I reached the point when um, my my specialist said to me, go and have it done, because he, uh, you know, he, he, he I think uh, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as, as, as you think it is actually going to be. So, yeah, I think there's, uh, there's mild anxiety, but I think the, 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 the bottom line is the outcome and the, um, the, um, the result you can get by mm. discounting or confirming is, is definitely worth the anxiety and the, the discomfort. All right. Vijay, thank you for calling thank in you, and, and for sharing that, that, that story with us. Ndate uh, Changela, you're calling us from Welcome. Good morning. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, Mr. Changela. Mm. Yeah, this is the time to end. Uh, I just want to know from the doctor. I was diagnosed prostate in two. Was it two eighteen? During routine blood tests, so it was seven point eight. Then I went for an operation. Now my PSA is two point eight. They have ordered these flomazine capsules, which I must take daily. Am I supposed to take those capsules for the whole of my life? Because I think now the PSA is within normal ranges. Okay. Okay. Let let me ask Dr. Minga to answer. Yes, I said that. I had that question, Mr. Shagela. Hello. Look, the the, the, the reason for taking the Flomax, as I said, is to try and reduce or even to prevent the swelling of the remaining prostate, okay, yeah, the, the swelling, and that's okay. so it's taking away the symptoms of an enlarged prostate. Uh, so I, it's something that you have to continue taking. Uh, doesn't have a lot of side effect, fortunately. Uh, you mm. know, men are always worried a lot of times about any medication that they take. We tend to think that what is going to happen to my 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 erection. And I can tell you it doesn't cause any problem with it. And this is one of the things that we have to state to our patients. Because most of them, they are very suspicious that what you are giving them ultimately will have a bearing on their uh, uh, ability to, to, to have an erection. So I can, con- I can confirm with you now that continue taking that medication is very important. It will prevent you from getting a swelling. Or if there's still a swelling, it will help to reduce the swelling of the remaining a uh, uh, prostate if you've had uh, some kind of a sectional uh, prostatectomy. Okay, the second question now, is there a possibility of that PSA to go up again? Or... Well, it, 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 it can, but very, very rarely. If, 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 if you are going to make follow-ups with your, with your urologist, I, I don't know what kind of treatment they've given you, uh, it's unlikely in the given four months or three months to go back and check it. Usually, uh, mm. it will never come back. It won't just resurface unless, of course, you develop some other new medical condition, something that can spread back into the prostate. But normally, it will never come back again. 
All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ntatichangela. Hopefully you've uh, been assisted there. Chris in Shawelo, good morning. Good morning, Chesley. Yes. At last. (laughs) (laughs) But let's uh, let's leave it for another day. I just want to ask the doctor. I'm a cancer cancer, um, PSA patient at uh, Charlotte and Becky Hospital. So I want to know, when is the cancer dangerous? Is it at PSA uh, 20.2 or below that? Because right now, my cancer is at uh, 2, my last test. And okay. I just want to know if it's really necessary for people to go through this uh, painful bio- biopsy. Because now it has left me with uh, this pain on my gro- groin. I got it in 2012 when I did this uh, uh, bi- biopsy, and it's there for life. Okay. Look, Ketish, can I go ahead? Yes, please. Okay. Yeah, the, the PSA is a guide. It's a very good guide. You know, it tells the, the, uh, the practicing doctor what is actually happening in the, in, in the prostate. We, we tend to believe that anything that is below five or four, the PSA, it's okay. It could just be due to either enlarged prostate or just inflammation. So those are the first things that we, we normally attack. We'll give this to a patient to try and reduce that swelling and ask you to come back after about three months or six months. And if the PSA seems to be going up all the time, it means there's only suspicion that there is cancer. But then how do you confirm cancer? Because the, the treatment modality that you're going to use depends on that staging and the, and the grade of the prostate, so of the prostate cancer. So that is where the, the, the biopsy is necessary to do. Number one, that is where the ultrasound is very important because when you do a biopsy, you target a particular spot that you've seen, and most of them, they do it on what called on site, you can actually see this is the, gen, the small piece that I'm going for, and you take it out, you take a couple of them, and then you send it to the laboratory for testing and for grading, and you'll be able to tell what stage of, of, of prostate cancer it is, if it is prostate cancer. But once the prostate cancer comes, the, the PSA comes down, it means things are improving. Uh, it has improved, or, or that cancer has actually disappeared. But of course, you have to stay on that kind of treatment, but not only the treatment, but you have to go for your regular checkups. But the pain that you're talking about, uh, it's very difficult for me to know exactly where it comes from. But I think if you go back to your treating urologist and state this to him, uh, that at a particular spot around, around your, did you say squat up or just the perineum, there is pain. I think they'll be able to tell uh, where that pain emanates from. All right. Chris? Yes. Has it answered your question? Yeah, but there's a follow-up question. I just wanted to know if is it normal for one to feel pain after sex? Is it after the operation? No, after sex. I didn't do the operation. I did the radiation in 2019, Mm -hmm. and my PSA is at 2. 
Okay. Right now. So there was there was the operation. It's 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 very it's very operation. Very, I did the radiation. Yes. Hmm. So maybe there's just a, it's possible that you may have some 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 inflammation due to what we call little bit of fibrosis. I mean, because you are using an external energy and heat that is uh, uh, for for the radiation. There may be some bit of uh, what we call fibrosis, which is a normal process where the inflammation was. It's ultimately going to heal. So, and I think that's the reason why you are getting pain during. It's either when you have an erection or after sex, you may get some bit of pain there. But it's not, it's not a very disabling pain from the experience that I've had with some of the patients. You, you feel the pain, but it's not like it's a heavy, heavy disabling pain. So if you can continue with it, I don't think that will uh, stop you from having sex in the future. All right. Chris Inchawelo, we'll leave it there. Mandla yeah. in Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, Sis KD. How are you, Sis I'm well, thank you. Thank you very much, Sis KD. Sis KD, I just want to ask a quick one, man. Uh, from the symptoms that the doctor has mentioned, uh, I just want to find out about the one that I have now. Uh, I've got the, this feeling, it feels like one of my balls, one of my balls has gone up. You know when, uh, 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 okay, let me just talk to the doctor. Doctor, you know when, uh, let's say somebody has kicked you in your balls and then one feels like it has gone up and then it mm-hmm. goes down again, that type of a feeling. And this feeling, I've got it for about two weeks now and I'm really worried because, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it comes and go, comes and go. And, and now I don't know whether uh, should I take it serious or maybe something that's going to disappear or what. I'm really, really worried. Honestly, I, I it's, a, it's not it's not a comfortable feeling at all. So does the does the testis go go up or just a feeling that the testis has gone up? And if yeah, it goes up, does it disappear, or you can still feel that there is the testis in the scrotum? No, it's it's just a feeling, dog. It doesn't really go up because uh, when I when I feel the balls, I I could feel they are there. Both of them are there, but uh, just a feeling. It's just a feeling. Otherwise, uh, the balls don't disappear. You understand, doctor? Mm. So 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 it's just a feeling, man. It's just a feeling, and I'm really really worried, man. Yes. But one thing that happens is that you know we have. All have these muscles that help to suspend the testes. The testes are not supposed to to be very close to your to your body because of the high temperature. And in the high temperature, if the testes remain very close to your body, that high temperature is not good for your for the for the functioning of the testes. So there are some muscles there that we have that help to suspend. It's like a spring. Now, if it's too cold, uh, the, the, those cream, we call them the cremaspect muscles. They, they make the, the testes to hang loose into draw down between your legs. And if it's too cold to try and bring it, bring it up, it's a, something that happens without you being involved in it. It's, it's a natural thing. So sometimes you, you may just get a small, if, a funny feeling that something's going up, but it, it really has got it's of no consequence really. It's just an action of the muscles that help to suspend the testes. So I don't think you have a big problem there. It's just a feeling, as you say, it doesn't disappear because those that disappear, they disappear into the hole that connects the abdominal cavity with the scrotal cavity, which is called the inguinal hernia. So the testes can get locked in there 
that is a problem because you don't want your cases to either go into the inguinal canal or into the abdominal cavity itself. It happens in certain cases. So, but what you have, it's okay. I don't think you should call it much of a problem. Okay, thank you very much, Doctor. The thing is, I've got a young wife who is demanding in bed, so I was really worried. But okay, thank you very much, Doctor. Thank you, sir. All right. Mandla out in Cape Town. Um, unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave it with our conversation uh, for today. Dr. Minga, let me thank you so much for coming on to the show. You're welcome, Katie, and your listeners. All right. Dr. Tani Minga, medical practitioner, also, as you heard there, with a special interest in men's health. That also brings us to the end of the talking point for this Wednesday.